Hello, Mama. I hope you're having a beautiful day wherever you are, whatever time of day it is. I'm excited. It's almost the end of the day, which is just always, you know, it feels good, right? Be done with another day. <laughs> I guess especially in a season of waiting where you're like, you know, trying to be present, but ticking away like, oh, another day. Oh, another day closer to the baby coming. Oh, another day closer to the move. <laughs> So I'm excited. I also am really enjoying myself because I found this exercise ball as I was uh, clearing out our storage uh, behind our bed that we had. And um, I'm sitting on it right now. It's like I have it as like a birthing ball. I've never really used it as such, but um, it's making a really great seat right now and I'm feeling really good. So (laughs) I hope you're having some some good little wins wherever you are. Uh, Today we're going to be unpacking a little bit of a heavier topic. Uh, I had someone uh, in the Facebook group talk about how how to trust your kids with other people when you have been through a trauma. And I just thought this was such a good topic. I know it is so relevant. Even if you haven't been through a trauma, I think just living in this world and hearing other people's stories, you know, obviously if you've been through that yourself, it's going to be even, you know, more multiplied. But we hear these stories all the time of, all these things that could happen to our kids. And so I, I just wanted to dive in today to, to how to tackle that. What do you do? Uh, where's the line? What what should happen? And I'm just going to go through four different things that I want you to do in order to be able to trust your kids with other people. So I'm excited to go there. It's, it's heavier, so my excitement is, is dimmed. But it is so important, and I think what we're going to talk about today is is really, really important. A lot of it's really, really practical, kind of how to, um, especially like with sexual abuse, how to kind of protect our kids from sexual abuse. And so get ready. Um, this one might be one you want to pop in your earbuds for, but I, I hope you are excited to just be more equipped, and I believe that God's going to lead us today. So let's go. Welcome to the Morning Mama podcast, where it is time to wake up to the life you were created for. Come join me on a journey to heal from your past, craft a healthy, joy-filled life, and discover the gifts and passions inside of you that the world needs. Hi, I'm Brittany, a former marriage and family therapist who is ready to help you grab hold of your courage, step out in faith, and discover that your life can become more than you ever dreamed possible. This is Morning Mama, a place for you to throw off all that has been holding you back and run into true freedom. All right, Mama. So this topic is such a good idea. It came from someone and she, I loved it. She called herself a self-proclaimed helicopter mom. <laughs> so great. Um, and she says, you know, how, how am I supposed to trust my kids with other people when I've been through trauma? And I get that right? She has a story of how other people were not to be trusted. And so that's become the narrative in her mind. And I know for so many of us that can so easily take over and, you know, and in this world of fear and world of so many just bad stories and bad things happening, it is so easy to slip into this mindset of, I cannot trust anyone with my kids. And as much as I get that, I, I want to give you guys some freedom from that. I want you to, to step out of that because 
just like I think she was saying, like she knows this isn't good. She knows that that there's more. And and part of the reason that it's not good is because she needs and you need time away from your kids. Absolutely. You need that time, whether it's so you can go work, whether it's so you can go with some friends, whether it's so you can go to church, like whatever it is, you need time away from your kids to be healthy. And, and to be able to do that without just constant anxiety and this crippling fear and all of these what ifs flooding your mind. And so I just want to talk to you today about just how to do that. Even if you've been through that trauma, what does it look like to be able to trust other people? And I'm going to be realistic. I'm not going to just sugarcoat it and say, yeah, everyone is fine. You, it's just a fear issue. You got to deal with that with God and just get rid of that. No, like there are some actual practical things that you do need to do as a parent in order to, pre- to protect your kids. But ultimately, we'll get to the place where we can release it and, and we'll, we'll go there. But first, I'm going to walk you through some just really practical things that, that we should all be doing with our kids. Okay. So the first one is that we have to talk with our kids about healthy boundaries. Now, in a lot of this, I'm kind of focusing on just the possibility of sexual abuse because in my mind, that's where my mind goes. When, when I think of trusting my kids with someone else, you know, to me, that's the most prevalent thing that could happen. If, if we're talking about someone watching my kids, you know, obviously in the world, there's a lot of other things that could happen to our kids, right? School shootings and, and all of these things. But to me, this sounded kind of more personal. Like there was one person in charge and that is that person to be protected. And so that's what is kind of where my mind is. Um, and so we're going to talk a lot about how to protect our kids from that. And when we're talking about healthy boundaries, this means that we're going to be clear with our kids. So So, you know, I even had a friend recently ask me, like, when should I start, like, telling my my daughter about her private parts? Like, when should I start calling it a vagina, you know? (laughs) And I get that. I mean, I get that. Like, that is a question for so many people. It's And I I laugh because, you know, it's it's funny. These words feel uncomfortable to us. But there's so many people that have that question or are uncomfortable with that, and they don't know what to do. But I want to tell you, there is nothing dirty about the word penis or the word vagina. Those are creations from God that God has given to us, given to our kids. This is this is a gift from him and there is nothing inherently dirty about that. And so with that, we need for multiple reasons we'll go into in a second. We need to be calling their body parts their correct name from birth. Like I've been doing this since my babies were in the hospital. You know, sometimes I'll I'll say like, oh, I'm gonna you know change your diaper and uh, I'm gonna wipe your vagina. There's some poop in your vagina. Oh gosh, um, and you know, so I'm 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 using those words to describe their body parts. So first of all, they know what they're called. Right. And so if something ever happened to them, they would know what that's called. They would be able to communicate if they're talking, communicate what is happening, happening and be accurate about it. So that's part of it. But also, you know, I think a lot of people in at least my generation uh, of Christian culture, there is a ton of shame around sex. There there is just this pervasive view that it's bad and it's dirty and there's a lot of guilt even people that have have 
you know, waited their whole life to have sex until they get married, they still have this sense of guilt and shame. And, you know, part of that's because our culture has very much perverted sexuality and, and, and sex and redefined it in, in many different ways and, you know, made it more, uh, you know, they, they don't stick to what the Bible says is, is the boundaries of healthy sex. And so, you know, it comes from that, but it also comes from Christian culture. And, you know, probably a lot of parents that didn't know how to talk about this with their kids because they came from a culture, right, of like 60s and 70s where, you know, sexuality, sex was everywhere, right, in a very, very unhealthy way. And so I imagine from that they kind of took on this shame because that's, that is not of God, right, that, that kind of culture of um, outside of the biblical grounds of sexuality, which means one man and one woman that are married, that is it. Um, and so outside of that, it makes sense that there is some shame around sex. And so these, you know, a lot of these parents came from that generation. So it probably took on that discomfort of, of you know, being around that and, and seeing that maybe participating it for some of them. And so now they, they've they carried on, they've kind of labeled all of sex as bad, all of sex as needing to be with shame. And it was hard for them to separate that. And so I think for a lot of us, that kind of um, mentality about sex inadvertently kind of got imposed on many of us where we felt really uncomfortable about sex, really uncomfortable about the topic, about the words, right? All of these things. And because those we didn't have like healthy, open conversations about it, many of us. And I think that also goes with this like penis and vagina. Like when we don't want to say the actual names of the body parts, just like we would say an elbow or a foot, it makes it seem like there's something that we need to hide about those things. And obviously we know, then we're going to talk about healthy boundaries. Like we know we don't want our kids exposing themselves, right? So we're not saying like you should treat it like a foot or an elbow, but it is a body part just like a foot or an elbow that God created that is good. And we can call it by its name without you know, having to kind of crouch down and, and whisper and make, you know, weird faces. I don't know. I don't know how we say it, but you know, and I get it. I find myself wanting to do that sometimes too. Like I, you know, if you've done that, like you're not alone in this, but when we can talk about their body parts, their private parts, without that embarrassment, without that weirdness, we're, we're teaching them that that is a good part of them. It's not something they should be ashamed of. It's not something they sh- should feel guilty about. It's a good part of them. And so we want to call it by its name. Um, and we want to say that in an unawkward voice, unembarrassed way. And just kind of like a, a very straightforward matter of fact, like, yeah, the, um, this is your vagina. And and with that, we are also going to talk with them about boundaries. So we, I often, since they were little, will say, no one is allowed to touch you down here unless they're helping wash you. And that's only, you know, mommy, daddy, and your grandparents, but no one else is allowed to touch you down here. And they're only allowed to do that if they're helping wash you. And I know that can feel weird and awkward at first, you know, and, and you don't want to like put fear in your kid or, or make it weird. And, but 
but usually kids don't really question it too much, at least the, the ages I'm at. But if they're old enough to question it, then that's a great place to talk about it. A great place to help remind them that, you know, this is not for everyone. This is a special area that God's given you that isn't just for, for the world, right? This is only, this is something we need to keep private and it's only for you and no one else should be touching it or looking at it unless they're helping you wash. And, and helping them understand that and, and speaking that to them even before they can understand you. Because that's going to help them understand what that's about. They're, that's going to help begin to impose this idea on them that this is private. And if someone tries to do something, it's not acceptable. It's not okay. And so now they're going to be more equipped for those moments. And obviously they're going to be able to need to talk to tell you that, but they're already going to have this internal sense of what is right and what is wrong. Because a lot often for young kids of sexual abuse, it's just really confusing and they don't understand. And so we're going to help set them up for, you know, we're going to talk more about prevention, but if worst case scenario that ever happened, God forbid, they now know this is not okay. And they can stand on that. And the other thing you're going to do is you're going to tell them that if anyone ever tried to look at it, you know, even another kid or touch it, that they need to tell mommy or daddy right away. And they won't be in trouble, but mommy and daddy need to help protect them. And we need to know about this. And so please, if that ever happened, what what would you do, buddy? If that ever happened, <laughs> and you know, it depends on the day. But the other day, I asked him that because we were reading uh, this book about um, sex, and we'll we'll, t- we'll talk about that. I have some great books for you that for every age. Um, and <laughs> I said, what would you do if if someone tried to touch you on your penis? And he like. <laughs> did like a superhero move and was like, I would roll away like this. And he did like a big old flip turn thing. <laughs> I was like, that's right. Good. And then you would come and tell mommy what happened and we could talk about it and I can make sure I could keep you safe. And that was the end of our conversation. It doesn't have to be something long and weird and scary. Like you don't have to go into the possibilities of what could happen. You're just helping them know what the boundaries are. This area is not for anyone else. It's only for you and to keep it clean. And that's the only reason someone could to, could see it or touch it. And it's only if they're helping you wash it, right? If they're a young kid, obviously when they get older, that's, that's not even part of the equation, right? This is not an area for anyone else. And so the more that we can talk about that openly, the more they're gonna feel comfortable If that did come up, they would feel safe to come to us. They would know that it's a safe place to go to mommy or daddy with this because that's, again, a lot of times when this happens to kids, they feel a lot of shame and they feel like they have to hide it. They feel like they're going to be in trouble, like it's their fault. And, and, And so if we can begin to be open about this, help them know the boundaries, help them know it's safe to talk to mommy and daddy, then they are going to be equipped to, to help tell us if worst case scenario that ever did happen. So that's my first tip for you is to talk with your kids about healthy boundaries. And, and with that, you know, I mentioned these books, 
And someone told me about this this set of books a year or two ago, and it's it's so great. I'm I'm so glad that I have it now as a parent, and I can just walk with my kids through it. And so it starts at a really early age. So it's it's a set of four books, um, and it's called God's Design for Sex series. And there's four different books for different ages, and so it starts at age three, but it's really um, a really like it does not go in depth at all. So you can even start at age two. It's kind of a little bit wordy for two-year-olds are probably not going to sit through it, but you know, you can start showing the pictures and maybe paraphrasing some of it. Um, but you know, the first book is for ages three through five. And then there's three other books after that going into the teen years. And it's just such a great way to equip your kids because we need to have these conversations with our kids. This is our job as parents. We have to help them understand what God's design is for sex. If we don't tell them that the world has a whole whole lot to say about that. And so we absolutely have to take this on as parents. And hey, if your your kids are old and you haven't done this yet, that's okay. Now is a great time to start. Don't worry. Like there's always a new beginning. So don't take on shame and feel like you need to hide. No, just be like, oh, I'm going to grab this set. Maybe I don't even need the whole set because I, you know, I have older kids, but, but it's never too late, but it's better to start early because we're going to equip our kids and like the, the, the years, you know, zero to five, zero to six are super formative. Some of the most formative years in our kids' lives. And so if we can begin to instill to them biblical truth at this young age and help them understand that sex is good. Sex is from God. This is something to celebrate, but it needs to be within these confines. And then we're going to set them up for a, a life of, of healthy sex that is something that is absent from so much of obviously the world, but also so much of the church. And so the more that we can communicate about this openly and unawkwardly, <laughs> the more that we are going to be able to equip our kids for future conversations, for a healthy view of sexuality, healthy feelings about sex. And it's, it's just going to set everyone up for such success. And, you know, when you go to read this, like if you're reading to younger kids, just, you know, try and be chill about it. <laughs> like try not to make it a whole big deal. Try not to be awkward. Like, you know, when I read it to my son, I'll just be like, oh, I want to read this book right now with you. Hey, let's sit down and read it. And and I just get excited about it just like I would another book. And I, and I don't get awkward on the parts where it talks about, you know, a baby coming out of mom's vagina. Like you just, you just talk through it just like it would be any other book. And you're going to really just help them get that healthy view of sexuality. And, and so much of it comes from how, what they're sensing from you in that moment. If they sense that you're awkward and they sense that, that this is uh, uncomfortable or a topic that, that shouldn't be, you know, talked about, then, then they're going to pick up on that and they're going to think, oh, there's something about this that, that needs to be hidden. There's something about this that, that we need to, to feel weird about. And we don't want that for them because God designed sex. It's good. Okay. <laughs> I think you guys get it. So we want to talk to our kids about boundaries, healthy boundaries, what healthy sex looks like starting at a young age. Okay. Number two. So remember, the goal of our conversation right now is to help protect our kids. How can we trust other people with our kids, especially knowing the world, especially when we've been through trauma ourselves? So the, the second tip I have is don't leave them with just anyone. 
that is okay. It is good to not just leave them with anyone. And I think generally as parents, like most of us feel this, but I think sometimes we can go to an extreme of feeling like, well, I, I feel like I can't trust anyone, which means, you know, I know I'm the problem. It's just my anxiety. And so it's fine. Anyone's fine. I just, I need to like stop being like this, but no, we do need to be selective over who we leave our kids with. And so the goal here is to know who the trusted people are. So, you know, and this is something that you guys have to decide as a family, who are these trusted people and, and how are you going to establish the rules for who can watch your kids? You know, I've heard some families that don't allow any male to watch their kids. And that is the rule in their house. And they don't make any exceptions. It's not like, well, I, I really know you and I really like you. You're a family member so you can watch them. It's just like this flat out general rule in their house. And that actually came um, out of a, a bad experience with a family member that ended up abusing one of the kids. And so, you know, it's okay to have those kind of like, kind of, it feels extreme, right? It feels like extreme boundaries, but that's okay. It is okay to have that rule in your house. And you guys have to decide. It's also okay to have a different rule. But that's just one example of, of something that you might want to set up as a rule. And now the reason for this is, is not because all men are bad, right? We, we don't hold that view. But if you look at the, the research, you look at the, the um, percentage of perpetrators that are male, it is a vast majority I looked up just a quick statistic on Google, and this is on the YMCA website, and it says 96% of people who sexually abuse children are male. And so we're not just trying to make this stereotype. This is real. This is generally, it's going to be a male. So does that mean we can never trust men with our kids? Not necessarily, but it might be something that you want to consider. Again, that might not be right for every family. It doesn't need to be the rule of thumb across the board, but I'm just giving you some ideas of where to set these boundaries, like what other people do. How do I figure out who I can trust? And so we're just talking through some ideas here. You know, I'm sure there's been some amazing male babysitters. I'm sure there's some amazing stories you guys have of how that's not been true in your life, but we're just talking in general for some ideas. Okay, some other ideas about how to find people, like to, to vet some people before you let leave them with your kids, is, you know, to get referrals from people you know, people you trust. So close friends, trusted neighbors that you're close to, um, church people, like people you go to church with that you know, get some referrals from them. Have, have it be people that they have used, that they have had good experiences with. Like we're just going word of mouth. Now I've also had some friends that go on care.com or whatever, you know, website and find amazing people. So I'm not saying again, this is the only way to do it. This is just one way that I know I personally, it, it, puts me more at ease. If I'm like, okay, I know this person, they had their kids watched by this girl, you know, I know that blah, 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 right? So, so this is just ideas. You've got to figure out what you want to do to vet your people and, and what your boundaries are. Okay. Another thing I want to say is that you need to trust your gut or prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know this can be really tricky to do after walking through trauma. Because I imagine, just probably like this person is talking about, their gut is saying that no one can be trusted. No one is safe. And so if that is where you're at, obviously this is 
this is not, you know, something that you can do on your own. It might be something that you have to bring in a trusted friend or a trusted family member to say like, hey, how do you feel about this person? Have you met them? Have you talked to them? Do you feel okay about it? And and kind of get their gut. But but I want to say, you know, once, because when, we're not going to just generalize and say no one's to be trusted because that's not true and that's not healthy. But it's also okay to sometimes just have a gut response. It might be the Holy Spirit prompting you that someone just feels unsafe and that you just don't want to leave your kids with them. And so that is absolutely okay. Like trust that. Again, if it's if it's a healthy version, if it's not just saying everyone is not to be trusted, but it's okay to have that. And you don't have to have an explanation for why. You don't have to say, well, you know, a reason, you know, it's okay just to say, oh, sorry, I just don't feel comfortable with this. That's okay. It's enough. Okay. Another thing I want you to do is ask questions. So, you know, if you're going somewhere, a, a daycare, a church, uh, whatever it is, ask them how they vet their children's workers. Like, what are the rules in place? What are the bathroom policies? What does that look like? You know, for example, our church goes through a lot of, of protocol to make sure we can keep our kids safe. Everyone that works with the kids is background checked. That is a requirement. It is a non-negotiable. There's also in our church specifically no males in the nursery because nursery is where the diapers are. And so they just take that extra precaution. You know, again, there's plenty of guys workers with the older kids. We're not saying we don't like males. We're not saying that they're bad. We're just taking that extra step of precaution. And we say that there's no males in the nursery. Um, For bathroom, I can't remember exactly our policy, but I think it's that two people or two women take a kid to the bathroom. It's never one-on-one. Um, and usually they do it in like a big group setting, but you know, if there's a kid that, you know, besides the group has to go, it's always more than one person taking them to the restroom. We also have a security team. So like when they do do the big group bathroom breaks, they're there. They all stick together They're before they go in the bathroom. There's a security guy that goes through each of the stalls, checks out the bathroom, make sure there's no one in there. They don't use like the main bathroom that everyone else uses. It's a separate bathroom and make sure it's safe before we let the kids in. And then, you know, that guy obviously leaves and then the, I think it's the women's workers will take them in and and help them. So those are just some examples, just some, some protocol that my church does to keep our kids safe. And so those are things that you can look for some, some safety precautions because it's real. Like we're not trying to talk about this and say again, that, that everyone can be trusted, that, that this is just anxiety. This is just fear. No, this, this real stuff really does happen. And we do need to be diligent and wise in how we allow our kids to go into different settings and to make sure that we are doing everything we can to safeguard them. Okay. So this is what we do. We talk with our kids about healthy boundaries. We help them be equipped for any potential bad moments. And then we vet the people that our kids are going to be with. We make sure that they are in safe environments with safe people as much as possible. Okay? We'll get to how that's not always 100% possible, but we're going to do our best. We're going to do our due diligence to go through those steps. And then number three, we are going to pray about it. So if you're looking for a nanny, Ask God to direct your footsteps. Ask him to open your eyes to the right person, to bring in the right person, to to help you have a a clear gut response to people that you can trust or can't trust. And just ask him to open the door to the right person and shut the doors to the other. Like we we can't just pray. We got to do the first and second step. But prayer is powerful. God has 
big plans for you and your kids. He wants them to be protected. So don't like uh, minimize this step. This is crucial. God has someone for your kids. And so trust that he is going to make that clear. He is a good father and he wants to take care of you and your kids. The second thing we're going to pray about is we're going to pray protection of our kids every day. When they're going out of our house, we're going to ask God to protect them. I often pray before bed and in the morning, God, please protect them physically, spiritually, and mentally, just kind of covering all the bases of what could happen. But, you know, you could even specifically, if you have a specific concern about it, you could pray. And maybe if you're praying every day, you might not want to be super specific with your kids or they're going to start, you know, thinking about it a lot. But, you know, you know, in your head or uh, away from them, you're going to pray, God, please protect them sexually. God, please. Please, please keep them from any kind of predators that might want to harm them. God, please, please protect their body. Um, and, you know, just keep praying that every day. And again, do not minimize this step. Like this is equally as important as step one and step two. God is more powerful than the darkness. God can absolutely step in and we need to, and prayer does that. Prayer makes that happen more readily. So let's pray over our kids. Okay. Number four, this is the hard step. Okay. So we talked about all these things we can do to prepare for this moment where we're releasing our kids to someone else, all these things we can do to equip them, to allow them to be safe. But ultimately after those things, at the end of the day, we have to release it to God. And I know that is so hard. And especially if you've walked through your own trauma, that feels scary. That feels like something you can't do. And especially if you have questions about like, well, why, why didn't God protect me? Right. And, and, and that can be such a big question and such a big thing to work through. But ultimately we've got to come to a place where we can trust God no matter what. And I do encourage you, if you have that question, you got to work through that. You got to find some trusted people to talk with that through. Talk in your connect group, talk with a therapist, make sure that you're working through that because God is worthy of our trust. He absolutely is. And if we go through life constantly questioning if we can trust him, it's going to be a lot harder. Like we're going to be missing out on a huge portion of the peace that he offers us. And so we absolutely need to learn to trust him and to get through that. And I'm not saying it's easy or small. That's a big, big question to work through. But I know that he is worthy of our trust. And so ultimately we're going to have to come to a point where we, we release this to God. We do everything in our hands. We do everything in our power. We're not doing nothing. We're doing some things, right? We're setting some clear boundaries. We can even set extreme boundaries, right? Like no guys ever, right? Like whatever it is, we're setting that up, but then we have to release it to God because ultimately, I know this sounds scary, but ultimately like we cannot control the outcome. No matter how much we do, even if we, we try and, and keep our kids with us for the rest of their lives or, or until they become adults, right? And they never leave our side and they never go anywhere. Okay, well, now they don't know how to have healthy relationships. Now they don't know how to function in the world, right? Because ultimately at some point they're going to have to leave us. They can't be with us forever, or, or if they do, they're not going to be healthy, healthy functioning adults, right? And so they have to leave us. And so we've got to learn to release them into the world. 
while we're equipping them, while we're doing our due diligence to protect them, while we're praying over them, but they've got to learn to be in the world. And in the world, there is sin. And it could happen that they are sinned against. It could happen that they end up, even with everything we've done, the worst case scenario happens. But ultimately, that can happen no matter what. If we if we keep them by our side all the time, we're probably not going to be a super healthy mom where it's going to be really hard to be healthy in that. And so we're, we're going to be lacking a lot in what we're teaching our kids and what we're demonstrating for them. And so when they do become adults, they might get into unhealthy relationships and end up getting abused in those relationships, right? Ultimately, we cannot 100% prevent this. But we serve a God that is bigger than all of this. And, you know, we've talked about in other episodes coming to a place where even if the worst case scenario happened, God has it. God will take care of the details. God will be with us in the middle of it and God will redeem it. And so we, we, we have to, with our kids as well, be able to do this. Otherwise, we're going to stunt our own growth. We're going to not live healthy lives. We're not going to be walking in the purposes that God has for us. And the same for our kids. We're going to be holding them back. We're going to be probably instilling fear in them. And they're going to go into their lives with, with lots of anxiety and fear. And so we've got to let them go. And here's the thing. If we do all of these other steps and even if the worst case scenario happened, it probably is not going to be the same story that maybe that you lived out. Because I'm guessing for many of you that that may have walked through sexual abuse, you didn't have that safe place to turn to with your parents, or at least you assumed it wasn't there. Maybe it was safe, but, but they never talked openly about it. So you didn't know. And so you didn't know who to go to and you didn't know what to do. And you didn't know what was normal or what the boundaries were because there wasn't those conversations in place. And so even if God forbid the worst case scenario happens, your kids are more equipped for that. One, they're covered by prayer. They're covered by God's goodness. They're covered by redemption. God will will have them in the middle of that. And they also know where to turn. They know that you're a safe place that you could, they can talk to that kind of stuff. They can talk with you about that kind of stuff. They know that they can go to you, that they don't have to be ashamed. They know what's right and what's wrong. And they can get through that without having to go through years of hiding it, decades of hiding it. But if you want healthy kids, if you want to be healthy, you've got to let go of that control and release it to God while doing the other steps. And you've got to give it to him because your kids are watching you. And if they see you not trusting all of the people that surround you guys, well, what are they going to learn? Not, not to trust anyone as well, right? And so we, we want to help them know how to have those healthy relationships, how to trust people, how to trust God. I know this is so hard, but I know that God's going to help you through this. And, and I hope you feel empowered and equipped by the other steps that you're not doing nothing. You're doing some things. These are the things you need to do. And then we give it to God. The rest is up to God. But guess what? He's stronger and mightier and bigger than anything that can come against us or our kids. So I hope this encouraged you. I hope that you feel more equipped. Just let me know if you're struggling. Reach out to a friend, reach out to a counselor, and just know that there is always hope. 
Let me, let me just pray for you. God, I thank you for every mama that's listening. God, I, I thank you for the mamas that are here with wounds, God, that are here with trauma and have so much fear because of that for their kids, God. And I just lift them up to you right now. God, I know you see them. I, I, I can't see them. They're not in front of me. But God, right now in this moment, you are imagining each and every one of them that have been through this, God. And you are near to them, God. I just pray that they would feel right now your presence next to them, God. Your arms coming around them and holding them, God. I pray you would whisper in their ear, God, just the truth that that they are beautifully and wonderfully made. That they are more than enough, God. That they are cleansed and white as snow and that none of this was their fault, God. And I pray that those truths, God, would ring through them, God, and give them a new sense of peace and courage and confidence that they get to walk in and show that to their kids. God, I pray, I pray over our kids, God. It's such a big thing, God. It's so scary. Our kids are so important and we want to, we want to protect them, God. But you know what? I, I know, even though it's hard to believe, I know you love them more than we do. And so, God, I thank you that you have a plan for each of them, God, of how you're going to protect them, of how you're going to redeem the the bad things that they walk through, whether it's this or something else, God, that there's going to be something bad they walk through, many things that are bad that they walk through, God, but you will be with them in it all, God. And so we thank you for that. We thank you that you are caring for them and that for, for the moms and for the kids that you will never leave us or forsake us, God, for all of us. You're right there. So, God, I just pray for healing over any hearts that are bleeding, God, that are so heavy from this, God. And I just pray that you would show them how to walk in trust and faith and what that looks like to, to, to go through some healing, to, to walk in peace in the middle of this, this really hard thing, God. And I know you're not going to uh, leave them without everything they need to do this, God. You're, you're more than enough. So we thank you, God, and we thank you for the work you're doing even right now, God. Just show, show each mama any next step she needs to take to get some more healing, God. Show her what that looks like. We just thank you, God. You're so good, and we love you so much, God, in all things, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, mama. If you found hope and inspiration in today's episode, then hit subscribe. Make sure you don't miss a moment on this journey of healing. Want to help more mamas enter into the hope and freedom you have found? Please take a moment to leave a review. This helps so much to get Morning Mama seen so that more mamas can find this space. Lastly, please come say hi in our Facebook group, Morning Mama Collective. I would love to meet you and learn your story. Let me know where you're getting stuck in your healing journey so that you can help inspire more episodes. I am so grateful for you, Mama, and I cannot wait to see all that God has in store for you.